I felt like somebody was standing with a thick metal rod and just crashing it at the beat of my heart. It was just horrendous. It was like, I can die from this and I'm not prepared to. That's how it felt. But then from the minute they had me in the ambulance, I, yeah, it was just, I'm going to recover from this. And I kept thinking, I can feel my feet, it's okay. From performancewriters.com, this is The Collectives, where we gently put aside the trainers and the experts just for a little while and sit down for some real talk with the equestrian tribe. I'm Nat Foxen, and today we're having a conversation about the experience of returning to riding after a serious accident or injury. My riders joining me today from our community are Ivanka, Ria, Mel, and Andrea. Let's start with Ivanka's story. So this was in 2016, 2015, 2016. Um, my son, who's now 21, was then, what would that have been, 15? And he lifted me up. You know how they give you those big bear hugs and sort of lift you up? Oh, yeah. And then one of my ribs said, crack. And uh, he felt so guilty. But I was like, you know, it happens. But then there was this little thing that kept popping out. And I thought, yeah, you know, I've broken a rib, so that's probably a, a broken rib popping out. But that thing that was popping out just went bigger and bigger and bigger. And my horse visio, Tony Fuchs, who was uh, working here in the, or used to be working here in the area, Cairo and visio, um, I showed it to him. I went like, you know, what is this? It's growing and it's big. He goes, oh, that's really cool. That's, you know, what is it? And he thought it was uh, a complete tear of my oblique muscles because oh, it was wow. like right here under my, um, well, I sort of had a third breast basically. <laughs> <laughs> and um, he then sent me to a friend of his uh, who's a, um, a medical detective to do loads of tests and stuff. And long story short, it turned out to be a tumor. And the tumor was growing out of my 10th rib. It was a giant cell bone sarcoma. And the thing that was popping out was not the rib. It was the top of the tumor because it was like a little snowman kind of thing. Right. And 2020 hindsight, you know, all my, uh, I was being tired, um, you know, lots of girly problems. Um, or I couldn't do yoga anymore because I couldn't bend forward. All of a sudden made total sense. So off we went to the oncologist and he sort of went like, I don't even need to know whether it's benign or malignant. It needs to come out. So immediately booked into surgery and um, the tumor was taken out. It was nearly two kilos. So it was <gasps> the, literally the size of a football. And um, with that, because with the tumor, they didn't know whether it was malignant. So they went right around. So they've taken rib number nine, half, 10 completely, 11, half, and all the muscle tissues and everything around it. So my, oh my whole, and then they put a, a, a mesh over the top so that my, you know, intestines didn't fall out. <laughs> So, so yeah, that was. Um, and what, so, was it related to the rib crack the from rib, the hug at all? Well, it that in hindsight is actually my saving grace because the rib was brittle because there was this giant cell bone sarcoma growing out of it. So, if my son hadn't oh. done that bear hug, we would have been way later figuring out what was going on. And the oncologist did say that. 
um, this kind of tumor can switch from mine wasn't cancerous, so it was benign, but he said it um, it can switch to being cancerous like that. Oh wow! So um, yeah. Oh my my gosh! Son- so and what was um, were you riding at the time, yeah. and, and what was the recovery, and then returning to the, to um, the recovery was tough. Uh, the first six months, I wasn't allowed to be near horses because of the severity of because I had no I have no ribs on that side so there is no um, protection from bumps or or whatever and um, so wasn't even allowed near the horses I slowly started riding my um, older mare around Christmas time like for five minutes and then slowly building up um the, the use of my body, my fitness, my muscles. And it was, um, yeah, it was a really long process. And also the first couple of months, I was so heavily medicated on um, oxycodone, morphine, Lyrica, which is um, a, a nerve um, uh, pregabalin or something it's called. Mm. Horrible, 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 horrible stuff. And um so yeah, so there was that kicking off, um, trying to get off the the drugs as well. Uh, I wouldn't have been safe around horses with that amount of drugs in my uh, in my system. So oh, it wow. um, yeah. So now fast forward, I've done my five years of oncology checkups. It's clear, 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 clear. Um, I'm I'm riding again. I have um, just bought a new horse, which is really exciting. Yeah. Um, I do always ride with an elastic corset to give me that sort of exoskeleton kind of kind of thing. Um, and the only thing that I'm I'm still struggling with a little bit, but I'm hoping that it, with this smaller horse, it's going to be easier. Is my sitting trot. Because using your core, there is nothing because there's literally no muscles. There is no obliques. There is no intercostals. They're, they're all gone. Wow. So it's um, my lower, lower tummy muscles are still there. And it's sort of the mesh is attached to my diaphragm. So um, sitting trot and heavy core work, um, that's, that's challenging. That's incredible, Ivanka. I would never have known. Like seeing you right, I would never have known that that you're missing all this. <laughs> yeah, I'll all never have a six pack. That's so annoying. <laughs> You'll never have a six pack, right? And so, tell me more about that. Did you say it's like an elastic thing that you wear when you're? Yeah, it's riding? it's it's like an elastic corset. Like it's um uh yeah I don't know I I suppose a corset like it has those and that that bits. provides you the support. Yeah, just a little bit of keeping everything together because the mesh, it it has stretched a little bit because they've yeah. never done, they actually wrote up uh, an article in a medical journal about the whole surgery because they use this mesh for hernias, like okay. small hernias, but this one is, I have photos if you're interested. I won't <laughs> share them here, but the this, this oncologist sent me the family pictures while I was in surgery so I know exactly what it looks like on the inside but the mesh is like that big and um that was a bit of a test for them as well like will the mesh cope with that amount of pressure and because of my riding everything around it is strong but the mesh is not so the elastic 
corset is really to keep um, to keep everything mm. structurally sound, I suppose. And does that make you, does it put any sort of extra question marks in your mind when you're writing that, that you, do you feel a bit more vulnerable or anything like that because of this? Yes, I, I am very, very diligent in wearing that corset. Like I hardly ever ride without it because mm-hmm. I do, I do feel um, a bit more vulnerable. Um Two years ago, my previous horse got a fright and crushed me into a gate. Um, And the ambulance people were really, really panicky because I don't have the ribs there. So they were really scared that I would have um, internal bleedings Mm -hmm. and, and stuff. That didn't happen. So that, but I have to be really careful that. Like I can't do contact sports and all that I want to, but Mm -hmm. you know, it's like that kind of stuff you have to be careful with. So now with a younger horse, I'm very aware of um, staying out of narrow or or small places that I can't be crushed against the wall or I can't be, you know. Um, So yeah, so definitely very aware. And it's one of the reasons why I sold my other competition horse because he, was supposed to be 16-2, but then turned out to be uh, almost 17 hands. Right. And that big, big movement in sitting trot, I, I struggled with following that big movement because of lack of core string. Mm. And do, do you, are you concerned about falls and the, and, the, and the increased risk? No. You just don't no. think about it? No, no. <laughs> just Amazing. don't think about it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt you, but it's Brett Parbury here and I just wanted to pop in and say that if you're enjoying this conversation, you might like to head over to performanceriders.com slash podcast where we list free training resources just for our podcast audiences. Find out what's available now at performanceriders.com slash podcast and now back to the episode. Mel, let's hear about what happened to you. (laughs) Oh my goodness. So it must have been something about 2016. Oh, no, not another one. <laughs> um, so it was actually my husband's birthday and I was finishing um, the day off with an evening ride on a young horse. Uh, at the time he was three and a half. I rode him in the arena and he was going beautifully, nice and um, calm. So I'll just mm-hmm. go for a relaxing walk out in our little piece of bush out the back. Um, long rain and he was walking along nice and smoothly. I thought, let's go for a little trot. Um, long rain, three and a half years old, very agile, very spooky. Did quite a non-eventful shy, but it was sort of like sideways about three to five metres. And I expected the usual, I knew I was off the saddle, and I expected the usual, just the thud on my right shoulder. I go into a roll onto my right shoulder. I've done it a few times. <laughs> and as I was midair, he's kicked out because his, you know, his natural instinct is, oh, there's a lion or a tiger trying to attack me from above. And he'd never had anyone fallen off him before. Mm. As I was midair, I felt his hoof collect my shin mm. and basically it snapped my tibia like a carrot into and um I hit the ground and you know usually like but there's that thud and you get over it and you peel yourself off the ground 
Um, but I knew that um, I pretty much knew straight away that my leg was broken. Um, it was pretty traumatic because um, I couldn't move. Mm. And um, when I moved, I could feel the, the bone move. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not quite sure how much to go into that. <laughs> anyway, I was on my own without a phone, no reception anyway oh. um, in that part of our property. And I started to howl. Um, just I think I was more afraid than anything else because the adrenaline kicked in. Yeah. So there wasn't so much pain. Um, and fortunately, my neighbour heard me and I yelled out to her and she came to help me. Oh, wow. And um, one thing led to another and the ambulance guys were then, um, I had to go in my husband's four-wheel drive to get picked up and whatnot. And my husband spent the evening in emergency in the Royal Melbourne. On his back. Um, so it was, you know, looking back today, um, thinking about that accident, you know, I think a lot of it, um I don't remember you know there's part of probably part of my mind that protects from remembering um but I do recall I did so part of the, the procedure was to get a, a rod put through my shin bone um through my knee and so the knee was actually what took a long time to recover um because and the body when it's a traumatic event like that I think there's a lot of things that we go on in our body that we don't even really know, you know, holding trauma in different sections of our body. Um, so I recovered really quickly. The surgeon said that it was um, the fastest bone healing he'd seen in a, in a long time. Um, so five and a half weeks and I was good to yeah. go out of the boot and they said I can ride and do whatever I want in, you know, after that time. Yeah. But that was from a bone surgeon's perspective. Um, I used to do a lot of running. I used to do trail running. I don't do that anymore. Um, and I probably could, but got out of habit as well. And it does, I do feel the impact in my body these days. Mm. Um you feel the impact of the injury removed pardon me you feel the impact of the injury or yeah and I think you know it wasn't until you know I went to physio once a week for probably about six weeks um after so six weeks after the accident I then started physio once a week for about six weeks and was using I progressed from a from crutches to a walking cane um and then was working really hard towards because my husband and I had booked to hike Milford and Rootburn tracks um, and that was in April the following year. So the accident happened in the September 2016 and I was working really hard to be able to make it to this hike in April 2017 and had to make a call in the February and fortunately we were able to go. It was pretty tough going but it gave me something to work towards and I wasn't back in the saddle until four months after the accident because it took, you know, all the muscles and the rest mm. of the body. So that was 2017. But during 2020, I really applied myself to yoga. And it wasn't until really applying myself to yoga and getting instruction that I realised there was still a lot of stuff going on in that leg that was holding me back. 
I couldn't bend the knee properly. I couldn't use my hip properly and all the rest of it. So it's really nowadays it's it's more just I've still got a lump on my leg where the horse kicked me and I've got a great scar on my knee. Um, But I think that, you know, I pretty much have recovered, I think. Mm. Yeah. What about, you know, and I asked Ivanka as well, does this pop into your mind sometimes when you're riding that this could happen again how does it change the way you are with the horses um well I ride on the same track almost every day and I think almost every day it does pass through my mind it doesn't um I think I'm more careful now Mm -hmm. and I think because not only from that accident but actually six months later I came off that same horse again and did my rotator cuff because I didn't fall like I normally fall because I was afraid of him kicking out and getting me so I've fallen and held my hand out which has then pushed into my rotator cuff and shoulders take a really long time to recover and I think that's the thing these days that I'm just a little bit more cautious and careful because of the even though yes you can get back on and ride the body just, you know, it does take a long time to be pain-free and mm. to be able to using your, be able to use your body in the full extent. So I think about it fairly regularly. It doesn't, I don't know how much fear it's created for me. I'm probably just a lot more careful. Mm. And would it stop you, for example, riding the three-year-olds? No, but I have at the start of this year, started learning to ride jumping Mm -hmm. um, a bit more. And I think that I I don't know if that I'm brave enough. And I think that that accident accident probably has impacted that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say that as well. Mm -hmm. Like with, with, with my riding I'm I'm not constantly thinking about it but every time when you get unseated you know when they have this big mm-hmm. shy or this spoke you get unseated mm-hmm. um I'm aware because it, it it hurts because the mesh gets stuck behind the the scar or something like that and you go like oh yeah ow um and the the one thing I've promised my husband is to never ever do cross country because right. I, I, I do jump my dressage horses because I think it's important for their, um, for their all-rounded training. But um, I have a lot of friends that do eventing and he said like, Mm-mm, no. And so I've promised him not to do that. So I go to Cedric, the mechanical horse, to do cross-country jumps. And, and I've used Cedric a lot for my Vizio as well before I started riding again. So I would have twice a week or once a week visio riding lessons on the mechanical horse to get the balance and to really get that muscle memory back again before getting on my uh my young horse well that's incredible so what is this something that's offered through a physio or no 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 it's um well his name is cedric here i think there's one in melbourne as well Mm -hmm. um it's a it's a it's a big black mechanical horse and it's it's pro it's a it's a computer computer horse so it's programmed for dressage jumping and cross country so mm-hmm. it gives you instant feedback on your balance forward and sideways but also your rein how much pressure you put on the reins and all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. and um, that I'll has be at Equitana as well actually mm-hmm. yeah yeah. 
and it that has helped me enormously also to get um brave again yeah. to do to start jumping and to um to do that again that sounds like a fantastic experience in the recovery sorry when Mel. I woke up in hospital I thought for a moment I'm not going to write again like just for a split second and then immediately I was no that's actually why I live right <laughs> it's my love in my soul so the, there was never a question of whether I should get back in the saddle again Okay, I just want to pop in for a moment to let you know that just like the writers today on the podcast, you can be a part of our community as well by enrolling in Brett Parbury's Dressage Breakthrough Program. Enrollments are open now and we'd love to welcome you no matter what level of dressage you're currently at. If you have a goal to improve, then this program's for you. Find out more and get in touch with us at performancewriters.com. Now back to the conversation. Ria, over to you. What's wow. your story? I'd love to hear. Well, I had sort of three accidents fairly close to each other. Um, the first one, I was brought in, bringing in a warm blood into a float, doing float training with her. I dug under the bar. Something spooked her. She did a big flick with her head and caught my arm with the loop, and I just got out of it, but it took my thumb, so I thought oh. that flying in the air. That wasn't fun, but oh. there was just a time. You know, I had a great and I can use it, which is great. Um, and then I was riding my green warm blood that I had broken in myself, and I thought she was really good. I'd done so much spook training with her, but somebody moved a big wheelie bin right next to us. I was cantering around, and she just exploded. And as I exploded, I flew up in the air, and then I hit her really hard, and then she just fucked me off, and I just oh. and I knew straight away when I hit the ground that I had broken my back. There was no oh. doubt. Um, it was, and I just, I screamed for life. I was just like, I, I felt like I was going. It was weird, but I felt like screaming, I'm still alive. Yeah. And then I, um, but I kept thinking, I can feel my toes. I can feel my toes, so I'll be okay. And then anyway, some of the funny things we horse riders do. When I was in the uh, emergency, my two two of my kids came in and looked so worried. I said, don't worry about it. I'll be up riding next week. <laughs> Yeah, not. Um, and so that was on Boxing Day and um, I was totally stabilised. They actually thought, they knew that I had crushed my ill one. Um, they also thought I had broken my neck. So I was totally immobilised. So for five days I was lying, do not move in any way or form. And then after that, then they realised it was a, it wasn't a break in my neck, it was a bulging dick, big bulging disc. But I had hips out, I had uh, hit my uterus was out it was not good but it was all the about the crush of the um ill one so yeah which is the um anyway it's the it's the um what's the shock absorber from the body uh, so really hard riding with that because it just doesn't function anyway when the surgeons came in and going you've got three options we can try to glue it together we can uh, fuse it together or you can do absolutely nothing and hope that the body will recover it and my first question is what's best for my riding long term and so that was doing nothing and hoping the body by doing absolutely nothing they would uh, fuse together because that l1 was like a crust glass it was like a windscreen that's crushed right and it would fit out but it actually held together so then i spent 49 days fat on my back do not move and then i had seven weeks in a full body cast and 
I don't know whether you know, but in 10 days, you lose when you do not move at all. You lose 30% of your muscle mass. Oh, oh it wow. just falls oh, away. It was, it was a bizarre feeling. There was no, I couldn't even stand. I could stand for a couple of seconds when I finally was standing up and I had to learn to stand up for three minutes to be able to fit my body cast. And that was like a mountain so, so high. But anyway, that all got on. And But in the whole time, I was like, I'm going to ride. Even the doctor said I wouldn't. Or some said I would, some said I wouldn't. But I was always going to ride. Um, and it was just not, I couldn't even explain it. it. Like the whole experience in hospital, I was just so positive and I was so certain that I was going to get through this. And then after I got out of my body cast, which was another seven weeks, and I started, as soon as I could start walk again, the first thing I did is I went and bought a really expensive helmet because I was going to ride that. That was my goal. And um, after about a year, about a, uh, sort of about a year and a half, I started sitting on my world's cop. But my warm blood, I, as soon as the accident happened, I sent both horses out because I knew I couldn't earn money. So as I'm the only income earner, I had to put my horses out. Yeah. And then I got my World's Cup and I rode him very, very cautiously. And I was I still had enormous amount of nerve pain. Um, and so I was okay with riding him because he was the most amazing horse that looked after me. And I wasn't sure whether I was ever going to ride the my warm blood and so I went to a pain clinic that's a three-week clinic where you learn to deal with your pain and and one of the questions there was what will you do if you never get rid of your pain what sort of life do you want to have and if you can't injure yourself further by doing it and I just said I want to ride I want to ride that was my big thing I wanted to ride my leisure and so at the end of that three week I braced up with what I had to brace up with to try to hold it all together because it felt like it wasn't stable and anything with pushing in, it would hurt. Oh. So I got all of that on and I got on my horse, but it was with a lot of fear. Um, but I did, and I've done a lot of, from that day on, I took her back and I did a lot of groundwork. Um, I did a lot of, and I, all the time, I kept thinking it's going to get better. And But it was sort of probably down the line of two years after the, this was in 2015, Two years later, it was when I started realising maybe I was a bit too gung-ho and positive thinking because it might not look so pretty. Um, and I just kept doing that. And actually, I got to a stage where I could go out to a clinic with my mare and I took her out to one. And as I lead her into the float, she reared and took my shoulder right up and I got all of my ligaments torn, mm. all this off, but just frayed. All of it was frayed and 20% of my labral. So I had a total reconstruction of the shoulder. And that sort of really set me, my, that was nine months recovery for that. Oh, wow. Nine then, months. Yeah. And it was like, come on, keep swimming, keep swimming. Okay. And then, and that's when I really got stuck into my groundwork. And I, I still love groundwork. I was doing it with my left arm and it could still work. And I still got a kick out of being with them. And I knew that I, they were just part of my life. And I was much happier with them in my life than without. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I even had a, a person saying to me, I think you should sell Lisha. Lisha is wasted on you. you, you you're never going to, you're never going to ride. And I was like, absolutely, I am. I'm going to ride. And, you know, I am riding, but I must admit, from being a gung ho, woohoo, no fear, it's definitely, yeah, it's taking its toll, but I'm riding. So, yeah. So, what is the timeline that we're talking about? This here? is uh, in December, it'll be seven years. And I still, unfortunately, have a lot of nerve pain. Do you? 
Oh yeah, a, a lot. I am. I I've been working with Jeff Morrison from the, the Osteo. He's when he saw me first. He said, "Firstly, I'm breathing as if I still have a body cast on." Um, I he said, "Your brain still thinks that you have a broken back." Yeah. Um, and it was like I didn't want to, but I knew in my body that that was true because mm. there was so much trauma from it. Um, mm. But because I kept going, no, 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 this is who I am. This is what I'm going to do. And my story is good in the end. That was sort of my mental feeling. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it's been a lot harder than I thought. And I do ride with fear when I, like, she is a reactive mare. Um, but most of the time I love riding her, but I am fearful. And as soon as she spooks, I still get that feeling of <laughs> hitting the ground. It still mm. comes a lot. And I just, yeah, I just work around it. So when it's very windy, I don't ride. If I feel she feels really hot, I get off. Um, so I'm a lot more cautious now, but I'm riding. So, and I've got the first thing I did too is I realized I still wanted to train and compete. And so I got an exemption to sitting trot. Mm -hmm. So I can actually ride and do, I can sit in canter. I can't sit so much back, but I can sit light in the saddle, but I cannot do sitting trot. I'm starting now, but I'm struggling with the pain. So I'm, I don't know, but I'm still riding. So, so it, it, it increases the pain. Oh, yeah. Certain types of riding. Yeah, and it feels nauseating, horrible, oh. and it can't sleep. So for six years, I didn't sleep at all. I do sleep now, um, and I got off a lot of the really severe. I was on all of the drugs, doing all the painkillers, and um, uh, but but yeah, so I do that now. So I'm a lot better, but it is still a journey. Mm. Yeah. How, how did it, how did it make you feel having to ask for that exemption? Because I, mean, I was totally fine. no, I was totally no, fine. fine. Yeah, I did not. People suggest too that I became a, a para rider, but when I look at the test, I love the passage and I love the fancier thing. And and for me, it's not necessarily about competing. It's about it's the riding and the training that I love. It's not necessarily even competing, but the training at home that I just get such a kick out of. Um, yeah. So I don't know whether that sort of answered your question, but yeah, I mean, yeah. The, the reason why I'm asking is one of my coaches said that last year as well. Like, why don't you? Uh, become a para rider and uh, and I just felt it it felt wrong and I, I was like as long as I can be in the able body competitions it felt wrong to be riding as a para rider even though I may potentially qualify but the yeah. exemption I thought that that might be a good sort of middle mm. middle ground well, the exception is great because you get you can ride exactly how you want you just can't sit trot and that's just that's okay and so I feel that because it's not so much about winning for me, it's more about just the training part and the, the, the dancing that we are doing. So for me, that was okay because you are definitely disadvantaged. You are disadvantaged. I'm disadvantaged, but we can still compete on an even field. And I think that's, yeah, that's really awesome for me. So Bria, I'd love to take me back to that moment of the fall. Like <laughs> that, what, what did that feel like you had you had an awareness that it was a bad injury oh I knew it straight away I felt like somebody was standing with a thick metal rod and just crashing it at the beat of my heart it was just horrendous it just and I, I was thinking how like I never moved I, I just hit the ground and I stayed there and when I was the ambulance of the, of the uh, emergency they were on the phone and they said do not move and I went like you just yeah it was just you're like, I'm not moving. Now, it was like I can die from this and I'm not prepared to. That's how it felt. Wow. Um, but then from the minute they had me um, in the ambulance, actually from the minute the ambulance got there, I 
yeah, it was just, I'm going to recover from this. And I kept thinking, I can feel my feet. It's okay. Because I mm. knew that when you sever that cord, you can't feel your feet. Right. So I kept thinking. And so from then on, I mean, I, you were, I was very sick. I was in so much pain. Um, but, yeah, it was just this. And, and on the day three, I had a really hard day where I could feel myself mentally get really scared. And, and it felt like a dark hole sucking you in. And I went, I can't do that. So from then on, it was lots of positivity, lots of laughter. Um, you know, I had great friends coming into the hospital, party all over. My, somebody came in and big posters with the horses in front of on my. Really? All that, yeah, it was, yeah. It yeah. Was, and, and did you have this sort of you know it sounds like you uh, were really great at sort of making that decision like this is a decision that's within my power to make that this is what I'm working towards yeah but you know surely you must have had moments over the years where you thought this is this is too too risky or too painful or I still do I still do it's a it's that's a daily battle I hate to admit it but it is a daily battle yeah so you um, keep remaking that choice all the time yeah the doubt I, comes in and you go, I, I'm choosing to keep going. Mainly, I mean, it's got three things. It's the pain is number one, the fear yeah. is number two, and the financial uh, that you're using is the three. Sure. And those keep going, how can you do that? But it's like I, I, this is who I am and I can't not. So it's sort of, but it keeps stirring up, you know. And every time she does a little, and it can be just a little spook, I literally see myself hit that ground again. Um so, yeah, it was it was sort of a bit of a belting. But on the other hand, I have become a lot better at really enjoying the smaller moments. And mm. and I think I when I joined the program, for me, I was sort of a bit lost because I didn't know how to get from where I was to further. And uh, in this year, I have just had so much more knowledge and so many things more in my brain. And at the moment, I am starting to strengthen up my own body to be able to, if I can or not, we don't know yet, but I'm training it. And so I'm pushing into the where the, the, where the uh, back is broken, there's a lot of pain. And all of the attachment that sits to it, like the glutes and everything, every time you start using them, mm. there's pain. Mm. So it's been a really hard thing to actually starting to dare using a lot of the building up the back, but that's what I'm doing at the moment. So I'm still thinking I'm going to do it it's just it's amazing and you know i've seen videos of your horse and she's a you know she can do she can a get very severe spook like yeah. it's yeah and it's and, not for the faint-hearted no she's not and but it's like i bred her and i my mother died a month earlier when i was expecting this foal and she's got my mother's name and it was like this horse is mine oh, you know yeah so it was, it was just yeah i just couldn't not but um, yeah. and the other thing I'm doing is I'm training a lot on an exercise ball on four and getting strength. So if she spooks to get better at actually holding. Okay. Um, so I'm trying to prepare myself to, you know, do the best I can standing a chance. But I did like, like Ivanka, I had to, oh no, sorry, that was Mel. I had to promise my kids that I would never event and I would, but I'm not allowed to jump either. <laughs> said that I am so sick and tired of going in and looking after you at emergency. Uh, <laughs> Love yeah. it. Yeah. But also the other thing I did is when I was riding in the beginning, I much prefer there was somebody there because if something happened, I wasn't alone. And the second thing was if there was nobody, I would text my daughter saying I'm getting on and when I would get on off so that if something happened, I wasn't stuck out there like you, Mel, because yeah. that is a scary feeling. Yeah. Uh, yeah that's it yeah that's a great tip yeah 
Wow. Thank you, Ria. <laughs> Andrea, my goodness. <laughs> but wait, there's more. That's a hard act to follow. I feel like I, I need a very strong cup of tea after all. Yeah, I know. <laughs> What, 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 what's your experience, Andrea? Um, so that's a hard act to follow, right? Um, <laughs> so in the last 10 years I've had a, three nasty accidents um, and I'll only focus on one because that's the one, but I'll just quickly go over the others because they're relevant to the one. But um, in 2012... I had a serious farm accident, which was related to a horse, but I wasn't riding the horse. He got caught on a gate. He was about 17 hand warm blood. And one lesson I learned was when a horse is panicking, they will not go backwards. And I tried vainly to get him to go backwards to get off the gate, and he just kept coming over the top of me. Mm. And I'm not sure exactly how it happened. I may have been knocked out, but I ended up, sliding underneath the gate and he went over the top of the gate and got stuck on the top of the gate. Oh. The gate with me underneath the gate and he couldn't get off the gate. So he was thrashing around on top of the gate and I was under the gate screaming for him to stop. (laughs) Anyway. Fortunately, I was I was actually getting him out of the paddock for the farrier who happened to arrive on time, thank God. Oh, the first time it's ever happened in the world. <laughs> and it happened that day. And he ran down and um, he was a nuggety little guy and, like, the first thing he said. So I, I was quite conscious and I thought either I'm going to get killed here or I'm going to lose my leg because the horse was jumping up and down the gate and a little bit like Ray, I could knew that it was biting into my leg and it was going to chop my leg off if he didn't get him off. So the first thing Rob said to me was, I don't know how I'm going to get you out. And I, I'm saying, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> so he basically just grabbed the gate as best he could and lifted the horse and the gate up and I dragged myself out and the horse sort of tipped its balance and got its front legs on the ground and then sort of went off like a mad thing. Yeah. Oh, wow. And the, I, farrier, the farrier found superhuman strength that absolutely day. Absolutely, superhuman strength. I don't know how he did it. Wow. And I ended up with a broken leg but... That was the minimal thing. I ended up with a crushing injury and I had to have skin graft and I was like had to not walk for four months Mm -hmm. because, as they kept telling me, I was 51 or something, old woman with a lower leg injury, doesn't heal very well. Right. So um, so that was... That was traumatic, but it didn't ever make me feel like I couldn't get back on a horse because I think because it happened not on a horse. Yeah. I didn't have any when I getting back. I had a lot. Of, I have a lot of nerve damage in that leg, and it, it was a struggle when I first got back on. But it wasn't like oh, I'm struggling. I'm going to fall off. It was like mm. I wish this left leg worked properly. Yeah, and over time it's, it's come good. And then. Um, 
10 weeks ago, I had a stupid incident where the horse fell over on top of me and fractured my sacrum in two places. And Was this when you were riding, flipped over or something? Yeah, just a stupid decision, riding in a shit day. Mm. Horse just slipped and plopped down. We weren't going fast. But the fracture on the left of my sacrum is like in the left leg, so that leg's a bit weak and it's... It's just causing me to feel like well, I'm going to have to go and do a bit of work on this left mm-hmm. leg because I'm not, now I'm back in the saddle, I'm still not riding quite as well. Mm. But in 2020, I was riding my special horse that I bought in retail therapy after the farm accident. Right. I bought him as an 18-month-old to sort of have something to look forward to. And I've had him ever since, and I started him myself, and I've been riding him for like three or four years, three years, three and a half years, and he'd never, ever done anything. And I was, I loved him, like he's my my heart horse. And I was riding him on the arena, and I remember I was doing 20-metre circles in canter, trot canter, and then I don't have any inclination as to what happened, but I ended up coming to on the horse so we were heading left at C we must have done a quick right hand turn and I came to at B sort of on a teardrop sort of thing and I woke up and I was sort of in the saddle going at 120,000 miles an hour what and I thought this is not good I'm getting out of here so I let go and I hit the dirt And I think I got knocked out again and then I smashed my arm into 16 different pieces (gasps) and I'm not sure whether I hit him or his foot hit me or I just put it out when I landed. I don't know. But I got off at pace. So that injury, that accident knocked me like I've been riding since I was seven. I've been a rider that has taken other people's difficult horses. Yeah. You know, like I I ride very confidently and strongly, and yeah. that accident it nearly finished me. Mm. Right, it's the first time ever. I thought, can I do this again? Because what I ended up with was. A shattered arm with all this medial nerve damage and I had no sensation in my thumb, my first finger, my second finger and half of my third finger. So my hand was just like a claw mm-hmm. for months and pain, nerve pain, as we would know, nerve pain is crap yeah. and it's really debilitating And but I had this feeling of, a bit like a romantic relationship had been completely torn apart, that the trust I had in this horse, that I trusted in, like I could never have said that anything bad would have happened. And I felt like the trust was completely broken and I just thought I don't think I can do this anymore. Mm. It was awful. So I've written a couple of things down and in big letters 
I'm a very independent person. I live on my own. I'm 61. I've never had really a lot. I've had a lot of support from my mother, but not from anybody else. Mm -hmm. And I had to ask for help. Mm. I'm so glad you raised this. I had to ask for serious help. Like, apart from my arm, I couldn't move hardly. I I had so many bruises and batters. So I had to get help. Was in the middle of COVID. I had to get my girlfriend to come across the border. She had to get special permission. And then my brother came down from a long way away to help look after me in the farm. And I didn't even want to look at this horse, I tell you. Yeah. <laughs> he was like someone asked me and I said, I just don't like him. I don't trust him. He's broken my spirit. Wow. Anyway, Physically, I started to get a bit better and I had an operation and they removed the plate because it was putting too much pressure on the medial nerve. And it took a long time. It took months and months and months, but, you know, my hand started to get feel back in it again. And, I mean, I have I had four horses in work and so I, I sort of started to feel a bit better and I thought, oh, maybe I'm overreacting. So I did a few things. I joined Tristan's group, mm-hmm. which I sort of looked at a bit, but never. I thought I need to do something that I can actually do on the ground. Yeah. So his work really helped me reconnect with the horses. Mm. I learned a bit about them, you know, as he talks about, you know, this one's an overachiever and this one's, you know, holds tension in its body. And I learned that the big horse was a pushy sort of horse. And he didn't always respond as well to being asked what to do. You know, he was a bit like, mm, maybe. The one you had the fall from. Mm. But what I also learned in that time was if I was going to get back on, I needed more help. I couldn't do it again on my own. So mm. I used to I break in on my own, but I just thought, I just can't do this. This yeah. is too much. Mm. So I fortunately had connected with a family whose father was a really strong like cow horsey western I don't know what he is but he's amazing horseman right and he very kindly offered to come and work all my four horses at my place wow so I not only am I very independent I'm a control freak and I'm the only one that's ever ridden any of my horses so did that kill you watching someone else it nearly killed me (laughs) see I can't relate to that at all (laughs) my girlfriend who I went to boarding school with she's when I said to her I've made the decision I'm getting Jade in to work all four horses for six weeks she was like unbelievable that is the best decision I've ever heard you make but yeah you know, she knew how hard it was for me. But I am the sort of person that once I make my mind up, I sort of say, right, we're going to follow this through to the end. I'm not going to interfere. I'm not going to because I knew that there'd be things he'd do that I'd go, oh, sure. God. Yeah. Um, but he was amazing. He wasn't, you know how you have that feeling that they're all a bit cowboy mm-hmm. He was so respectful. He was humble. He treated every horse like it was going to kill him. You know, there was none of this sort of blase, fuck everything on, get on. Mm. He was thorough. He did give 
the big horse, the one I came off, he gave him the rounds of the table, I can tell you. Mm. I, I'd say that he's been completely reprogrammed, that horse. Yeah, right. Wow. He did say that he was a bit tardy with his response to, you know, AIDS, particularly mm. like the safety stop sort of thing, mm. and that's totally because I don't really worry about it much. Oh, I break yeah, them yeah. in and it's not something that I spend a lot of time on. Yeah. <coughs> and did, um, you, did you end up getting back on that horse? Mm. So he rode, so it was four. The one I come off was sort of competing, you know, really well at novice, winning, and there was a, I, I have three, two ponies, that I bred and one pony that's an overgrown pony. So 15 hands, 14, one, 14 hands. And the bigger horse is a chunk of a thing. And so he came and worked them and he rode the little pony that only rode her twice. And I thought, I can get on her. Right. I still had a lot of nerve damage, but I thought, I can get on her. The other three, I let him ride them for the six weeks okay. because one was very green. Romeo, I just really wanted to see if he he needed, I just really for my own confidence. Mm. The other one was a bit tight and sticky because they'd been in the paddock for five months yeah, by this yeah. stage. Mm. And I just thought, and they were fat, mm. you know. Like, um, and I had made up my mind that if he said that this horse is not safe, then I would not get back on it. Sure. I sort of, I thought if I'm going to do this, I'm going to pay a lot of money. This man's very knowledgeable. I trust him. If he says don't get back on that big horse, he's a bugger, mm-hmm. I won't be getting back on. Yeah. But he rode them all and he said they were all fine and I thought, okay, well, I got back on. After he finished, so I rode them a bit with him, but then after he left, I some strategies were that I spent a lot of time in my round yard. Yeah. If I had a few days off, I went back to the round yard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I every time, so with the big horse, I've started riding without spurs and you know, without a whip, without spurs. But every time I wanted to step it up a bit, mm-hmm. I went back to the round yard. Yeah. If the greener horses were being a bit tricky, back to the round yard. <coughs> And then when I felt like I was riding and not just sitting on them, I thought I need some more help. Help became my big thing. Wow. Once I embraced it, I thought, oh, I'm just going to get all this help. <laughs> I yeah. thought to myself, I'm 61. Why didn't I get all this help years ago? <laughs> so I had an amazing coach. Like she'd been my coach for 15 years and she's amazing, but she lived on the other side of the border. We were in COVID. She wasn't in a position about to come to me. I couldn't float because I couldn't lift the tailboard. Yeah. You know, and I just wasn't really ready to be putting horses on floats. Yeah. So I contacted a really lovely woman who's a very high-level judge that lives very close to me, and she was prepared to come to my place, be a bit more of an extra support for me, Mm. getting back, come more than once a week. Um, I mean, obviously I had to pay her, but mm. she was happy to do that extra bit of, like, to help me get back in the saddle. Yeah, yeah. And that really helped mm. because I felt like um, 
I needed that bit of support to start putting a bit of pressure on the horses. I just. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And to take it to that next step. Yeah. Yeah. And as for my body, I really I go to a balm therapist mm-hmm. and she's helped my body heal a lot. Mm-hmm. Just time. But, you know, they say that balm gets the body to heal itself. Mm-hmm. And uh, so this was only, did you say it was only a couple of years ago? Yeah, 2020. And then so I was a little bit like, I can't remember, it might have been Mel when she joined the program in 2021 I thought I'm riding again but I just don't have any purpose I'm just exercising everybody yeah yeah so I joined the solo and then the breakthrough and then the um yeah goals, goals. yeah, yeah. And, and we we must know what what is the relationship now with that horse well we've the one come broke from your being, heart. he did break my heart he did. I, I still have little weepy moments about him, but yeah. he's back winning. And he? But I have a little bit different. Uh, I have not quite such a romantic vision of him anymore. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's not sort of like Snow White or Cinderella. <laughs> Trust but verify. Bit, yeah, I see. He's, he's still, I call him my Geiger counter. So if I ride to my optimum, yeah, he will give everything. But if I, you know, he's a big beast of a thing. And if I start to try and manhandle him, which is a little bit my nature, he says, no, okay. don't do that. Yeah. So he's not easy, but. I suppose he's some, you know, they're saying you get the horse you need, not the one you want. <laughs> so, so what is the theory for what happened that day? Have no idea. I was, I think I was knocked out twice, so I don't really know. I mean, did and you stayed in the saddle. Mm. Did a cat jump from behind the mirror? I don't know. I don't know because it was very out of character of him. Mm. You know, when Jade rode him, he never once showed any sign that he was going to be, and he'd never done anything like it before. Mm. Wow, amazing. I mean, it could have been anything. It could have been that he tripped over and you whacked mm. your head on something, right? Like, yeah. Well, I think I must have hit my head on his neck to yeah. be still in the saddle. I mean, that's just me, you know. The it's only thing about the horse is that, and Jade found this too when he rode him, he's the sort of horse that, you know, he, he thinks he's doing his best and if you ask him a little harshly to do a little more, he sort of says, "That's I don't yeah. like that way, mm. not to ask me like that, and he will kick up behind. Mm. Yeah. But, I, I look, I don't know, and I think that's partly why it knocked the stuffing out of me because, all, sure. you know, mm. the other accidents I had, there were clear you know, you yeah. can clearly rationalise why it happened. Mm. Yeah. But, yeah, no, it's been a long journey back. I took mm. a long time and just little things like the first major comp I took him to, oh, my God, the organisers decided to put his class on the grass and I was like, <laughs> I just about lost the plot Yeah. completely. But this lovely new coach I've got, because she's local and she lives close, right. she said, no, 
we'll just go in there every week and we'll work on the grass. Oh, wow. Yeah, she's very good to me. Mm. Uh, That's gosh, the help. Incredible stories. What blows my mind is that the four of you, like I would never know. I would never know there were these stories there. It's incredible. <laughs> Um, so Andrea talked about that idea of getting help and support that was obviously a big lesson for you. What about the rest of you? Like what what lessons sort of came out of it or what realisations came out of that experience for you? And maybe it was asking for help. It, it was for me definitely how to ask for help, but to be explicit, to say exactly what help I need. Okay. But you know, reflecting back today before catching up with you guys, I thought, you know what, I still actually have a bit of trouble with that. Mm. And it's when I'm explicit and say exactly what I need, yeah. I, I do get what, what I need. Right. I get the help that I need and that's no problem, but I find it really hard to ask for help. And then when in a situation where I have no choice but to ask for help, then it's quite an emotional thing to overcome. And so, um, yeah, that was that was a huge thing. And also I, I loved hearing the other stories about where the horsemanship skills and learnings that came out of it too because that was a big thing for me as well. It was an opportunity to learn some other skills with my horse that I really needed, which now I'll take on for every other horse as well. Yeah. And that keeps me safe. Those on-the-ground skills and other horsemanship skills that now keep me safer, that has been a huge learning experience from that traumatic event. Mm. It's a great point. So I think dressage riders probably need to have that uh, bit of a shock to the system to, you know, be encouraged to do that sort of work with the horses that usually they wouldn't do. Well, yeah. and being... Oh, sorry. So I no. think for me I have slowed down the the steps in which I take I think beforehand I was much more oh we're training novice let's like I'm just starting training let's go and do competing I think now it's much more let's just make sure it's all okay be a bit more safe I'd rather go out and take her around and graze than than put myself in that danger again Mm. Um, the other thing I was going to say is I think it's much easier to have an accident where you get knocked out because you can't remember so it's not a fear that sits in it because uh, about a year ago I apparently called my daughter and I said I need some help and she's no she said I said to her can you come I feel funny and she said what do you mean and I hung up so she drove up to the horses and I looked very surprised out and saying what are you doing she said you called me I said I think I've had an accident I think I've hit my head I, I didn't know I can't remember but I remember saddling the horse up and somehow I hit my head and I don't know whether it was oh, gosh. over but my my helmet was big crash on the back and so when I drove to the hospital, I said to my daughter, um, can I ask you a funny question? She said, sure. I said, have I got a boyfriend? Oh, my God. Hell, you did, but you, you dropped him on Tuesday. I said, I did. Am I sad? And she said, I don't think so. Is he sad? She said, I don't know. And she said, have you got a mask? I went, a mask for what? For COVID. And I went, what's COVID? Oh, wow. Yeah. And so that whole process of, I don't know what happened, but that accident actually didn't impact me the same. It was mm. just one of those things that you go, that was bizarre. But except for three weeks of headache, it really didn't impact me as much. So when you remember every single 
thing that happened that's that's when it for me at least is what it keeps coming back and playing in your mind oh, I know, they, I in the horse industry right because i've had enough accidents but it's just it is one of those things that you just can't describe it right. just you get different you you change and you just grow and you learn more and and i think the other thing is i was much more interested like i i, I know beforehand i love when people said oh you're doing so well and you're winning wow whereas now it's much more about Actually, Ria, you know how much you're doing here. And it doesn't yeah. matter how much whether I'm winning or not. It's not that. It's the feeling I get internally that is much more. I think that's the one I'm walking away from here. When yeah. I say I'm going to ride Grand Prix in my head, that is still what I'm training. But it might be a really slow process and mm -hmm. it might be at home in the arena and she might be 22. But it's just that whole enjoyment of the training and this the journey itself is beautiful still. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think for me it's slightly different because it wasn't as much an accident as as it was with with you guys because that would really totally freak me out. Yeah. Um, but I have become a lot more safety conscious because I know that the left side of my body isn't as strong anymore as the right side of my body. So I need my horses to be puppy dogs. I need yeah. them to be really safe on the ground. I need them on the float. Um, and and like with my previous horse, I spent months and months on float training, like every day, three times a day, on the float, the wow. off the float, riding on the float, off the float, putting them in the paddock, out of the paddock, on the float, off the because I need them to be really solid because I'm always on my own. So mm -hmm. that was that was a really really big learning thing for me. And then in general, like my my health in general like I completely changed my nutrition my diet um, I spend a lot more time doing yoga Pilates uh, working with a exercise physiologist um, to really build everything around me my, my body mind body connection um, is just so important even before I get to the horses and before mm -hmm. I start to ride because I just need all the all the extra help. Um, so that's why I always giggle when Brett talks about the extras and I'm like, yeah, right. that's my entire life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Right, as we just, probably have to wrap it up. I just, got... wanted to add oh, one, Andrea, I just wanted to add I just wanted to add one thing, that the one thing that I think my takeaway from all of these is that to get back in the saddle, I just have to, you have to have a commitment to keep turning up. Even like, like, I spent so many days riding in the round yard and I'd think I'm not making any progress. But if you just keep turning up, you keep getting on, if you can only walk, if you can trot, you just got to keep doing it. And that's my takeaway from this last accident that I've learnt from the 2021 is that there's two of my horses because of the weather and everything that I'm only walking and trotting on them again. Because, But I know that if I keep doing that, in another couple of weeks, we'll be cantering and we'll get back to where we were. But it's it is a hard thing when you're recovering and you're trying to get back to where maybe you were. Mm. Is that it, the the journey seems endless? Yeah. But my message to anybody who's going through it is: if you just got to keep turning up, keep getting on, keep doing what you can do. Mm. And be patient. I know. Basically, yeah, patient, for me, the journey was endless. I thought I was never going to get back to riding competitively.
Um, it's been a wonderful chat. Thank you all so much for sharing your experiences. And I think lots of people will find it uh, comforting when they're going through experiences like that and motivating as well. So thank you all so much. Thanks. Thanks, thank you. Thanks, Nat. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.